Welcome to the Feathered Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. Welcome everyone to the Feathered Desert. Today we have a special treat. Cheryl and I are joined by Kathleen Scott from Liberty Wildlife. For those of you who don't know Liberty Wildlife is, it is a nonprofit organization that offers care to sick, injured, or orphaned wildlife. They are one of the best in the Phoenix Valley. And Kathleen Scott is the orphan care coordinator for Liberty Wildlife and she's going to talk to us today about hummingbird rehabilitation care. Welcome, Kathleen. Yes, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's great to be here. Yes. So our first question is, uh, Kathleen, um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit um, what you do at Liberty Wildlife. Sure. Well, um, I actually do a lot. So I am um, one of the orphan care coordinators. We actually have two orphan court orphan care coordinators at Liberty because there does need to be someone there every single day to oversee that department. So um, I am one of two. The other is Melinda Miller, who is fabulous. Um, And then I also uh, work in other facets at Liberty. So I also help with mammal care. I um, volunteer with the medical services. And I also work in the education department and um, being one of the raptor handlers. So I'm one of the people who also presents birds of prey to the public. Wow, you do a lot. um, Yeah. And when I started, I started in daily care, which is the cleaning and feeding of enclosures. And then you just kind of, I just kind of kept adding in more things (laughs) to do at Liberty. That's a lot though for a volunteer. Well, I am staff. So yeah. So I, uh, I'm staff in that of the orphan care, um, but the volunteering is the med services, the mammals, the education. I am a volunteer technically for those. Nice. So, yeah. Well, one of the questions we had for you too was what brought you to do wildlife rehabilitation? So it's something I've always loved animals and I've always been concerned about their care. Um, It's kind of a long story, but Basically, when I was at in school at ASU, there was a summer where baby birds kept falling out of their nests into basically my front porch. Okay. And um, and obviously, like I found rehabbers to take care of them. And I always um, told myself that when I actually had time, because I was so busy with school, I did not have time at, at that moment, that when I had enough time, I was going to like karmically give back and start volunteering with wildlife um, to do what these nice people did who helped these baby birds. Nice. So um, about six or so years after I graduated, I was in um, Minneapolis and I started volunteering with the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center in Roseville, Minnesota. And they had an opening in their avian nursery, which I thought was, you know, kind of um, serendipitous because baby birds had kind of led me to it. And I started um, working with them and volunteering with them. And I did that about three or four years before I moved back to the Phoenix Valley. And I um, applied to be a volunteer at Liberty uh, basically straight away at that point and started working with them. And then I was hired as orphan care coordinator um, about two years after I started volunteering. So in the uh, like early 2020 is when I started this position. Nice. So yeah. uh, 
Kathleen, can you explain the process of becoming a bird rehabber and describe some of the challenges of specializing in hummingbird rehab? So, you know, I can't speak to the the people who are, you know, individual agents or the ones who rehab out of their homes. I only rehab at Liberty Wildlife. And so for us at Liberty, the volunteers, it's a much easier process. You know, you go through the orientation, you pick the department you want to work in. Um, but, you know, and then, you know, the volunteers that come to us because uh, Melinda and I, we oversee about 100 volunteers in orphan care. We can have up to 100 volunteers. And so we train them on how to feed each individual baby bird. We have a food chart that explains what each individual species needs as for nutrition, how often they need to be fed and so on. So hummingbirds are, um, you know, a little trickier because they are so small and so delicate. And so, you know, we actually feed the baby hummingbirds, for example, with um, with actually a catheter and um, with the hummingbird nectar. And it's a specific nectar that has protein and other things they need as babies. Um, and it's a very delicate process because you have to get it past their trachea in order to not aspirate them and stuff. So it's something that we, we teach to each individual volunteer and they have to show us that they can they feel comfortable doing it and have success. And then the baby hummingbirds actually have to be fed about every 20 to 30 minutes from sunrise to sunset. Wow. That's a lot. That That's is. a lot of yeah. work. <laughs> you appreciate the mom. That's yeah. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. And, um, you know, so, and they are so delicate and everything and they're, you know, when they come in, just, just hatch, they'll be the size of your pinky nail. And yeah. so feeding something wow. that small can be a little daunting. <laughs> <laughs> That's tiny. Um, so when you guys are taking care of hummingbirds, when you have them yes. in, um, can you describe what your day looks like? Sure. So I can describe what taking care of hummingbirds looks for, like for adult hummingbirds and also for baby hummingbirds, because yeah, it's that'd be great. Different. so adults are a little less time consuming. <laughs> so anytime an animal comes into Liberty Wildlife, it goes to our triage area to get medically assessed. So um, that's the first thing that happens to any animal that comes into Liberty. Um, when we have adult hummingbirds that come in, we assess what, uh, what is their issue. Often, um, you know, it can be wing injuries. It can be that they were just in torpor or, you know, other reasons. Um, we will try to help that animal as much as possible. But with hummingbirds, they are so delicate. We don't wanna do more damage. So a lot of times we'll just, you know, maybe do a small wing wrap with like a little piece of tape or something if needed. And then they will go into a hummingbird. We have these really nice um, kind of tall cages that we um, put in hummingbird nectar. We replace it twice a day and they have plenty of perches and we always make sure there's hummingbird nectar on the ground as well. So in case the bird is grounded, it can still easily get food. And we, we do make sure that they are able to reach um, the hummingbird feeders as needed. So basically once they go past the assessment, they'll be put into that cage where they can, you know, get to their nectar at their leisure and that gets switched uh, twice a day, like I said, and then they get um, reassessed medically um, after so many days. Okay. Now with the babies, 
probably a, a little, little more time. Yeah. 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 So, you know, when we have a young bird come into Liberty, you know, it gets medically assessed just like anything else. And if it does not have any feathers yet, if it's still just, you know, skin, it goes into a specific kind of brooder that is a little bit warmer than some of our other brooders. So it starts in a first brooder, they stay in there and they get fed every 20 to 30 minutes with um, fresh nectar. That's a specific nectar. It's not just sugar water. And then once they get those feathers, they get moved into a, another brooder that's a little bit less warm um, and they stay on that schedule. And then once it's actually very cute, um, there'll be a point where you'll be feeding a baby Hummer and then suddenly they just start to hover out of their tiny nests because oh people God. often bring them in their nest, which is a great thing to do. So we'll get them in their original nest and they'll just start to hover. And that means they are ready to go into the hummingbird cage and we still check on them every half hour and hand feed them in that cage because just because they're flying doesn't mean they're self-feeding. And so we ensure that they're still, you know, uh, thriving in that environment. And that cage is also on heat. Um, it's a very small amount of heat. It's like a, like a mat underneath the cage, just so it stays nice and warm. And once that hummingbird demonstrates they are uh, good flyers and they're self-feeding, that's when they get released. And so from start to finish, it could be, you know, three weeks a month for, for, it depends on how old they are when they arrive. Right. So. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So. That's why volunteers are so important. You know, it really takes a village to, yeah. to raise any baby. And they're just one of the many species we take care of in the orphan care department. So, yeah. Yeah. So. I have a, I have a question about uh, adult rehabbing adult birds. When mm -hmm. you put the adult birds into the the cage that you mentioned, um, mm -hmm. are there other hummingbirds in there? Obviously, do you ever yes. have like issues where one doesn't like the other? We do or have to watch out, have... especially with the adult males, and so um, we do have to keep an eye on the adult males. Now, generally, when they're in, you know, being rehabbed, they don't feel the best. So they're right. not going to be that territorial or aggressive with each other most of the time. But we have had issues in the past where two males decide that it's time to fight. Yeah. And so, you know, it's something that we do keep an eye on. Um, we do have more than one hummingbird cage. So if we suddenly got an onslaught of adult male hummingbirds, we would not put them all together in one cage yeah. just for their safety. Yeah. So that goes along with the question that I'm going to ask is what are the most common issues you see when hummingbirds come in for rehab? So we see, we do see a lot of uh, wing injuries, a lot of birds hitting um, windows, which often happens when like a Cooper's hawk comes down or something like that. Um, we do also see a lot of hummingbirds that are brought in um, who are just in torpor where people will find oh. hummingbirds hanging upside down from their, um, hummingbird feeder in the morning after a cold night and they think you know they're like upside down they think there's something wrong and they'll bring them to us and it, and they've just been in torpor overnight kind of in their like it's not hibernation but you know that kind of mini hibernation yeah. otherwise um we'll just you know have ones that like well they're just not flying or something like that um but usually it's a wing injury or that they've hit a window and then besides that it's the babies where um people notice that the mom hasn't returned to the nest or, you know, that they knew, know the mom has, uh, you know, 
been taken out by okay. cats or something. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we always encourage people that if they ha- know they have a hummingbird nest on their property and they haven't seen the mom for a while to give our hotline a call, you know, and the person on hotline and will advise them what to do because a lot of times people think the mom is a band of the nest, but the mom sees them watching the nest. So then the mom kind of doesn't come back to the nest because there's a tall predator there. Right. <laughs> so, you know, just, you know, you're always welcome to call our hotline and ask questions. No one's going to get mad at you. <laughs> you know, like that's why we're here. Yeah. So. All right. That's good information. Um, so that actually kind of brings us right to our next question. Are there any tips that you can give our listeners who find a hummingbird outside um, maybe that is outside of your intake hours where someone's not going to mm-hmm. be there to take them in what they could what they could do. So like, I see a hummingbird that's hanging from my hummingbird feeder. What is something I can do if I can't get it to you right away? Okay. So yeah, our intake window is open from 8 a.m. till 6 p.m. every day. So say you find an injured hummingbird at 7 p.m. So, um, you know, our standard thing is warm, dark, and quiet. You want to put the animal somewhere that's warm, that's dark. So like, you know, like a a shoebox or something and quiet, put it somewhere out of the way. You know, if you have a garage or, you know, a laundry room or something until you can get care. Now what's cool about birds and baby birds, especially is that from dusk till dawn, they don't eat. Yeah, so, so if it's at time, nighttime, I don't need to be waking this bird up every day. No, no, no. And sometimes people will do that. They'll wake up and feed the baby birds. Um, but especially since hummingbirds are so delicate, like we try not to handle them. Um, we, you know, our handling of them as adults or babies is to the at, like utmost minimum. And so the less you handle the animal, the better. So, you know, so say you find some, you know, babies that the nest has fallen and it's 8 p.m., warm, dark, and quiet, and then they'll be fine because they are supposed to sleep for 12 hours. You wake up the next morning, you bring them to us. So I wouldn't suggest trying to feed the hummingbird um, or you know giving it water or anything. Just warm, dark, and quiet, it'll be okay. As for the hanging upside down from your uh, you know, hummingbird feeder, wait till morning. <laughs> <laughs> just leave it there if it because if it's hanging upside down it's probably in torpor wait till the morning wait till the sun starts to warm it up and then if it doesn't kind of wake up and fly away once the day is kind of warmed then bring it to us but you know it, torpor is a really tricky thing because it is kind of shocking to see <laughs> yeah you know, just like, let them be, it's okay. But with the babies, if it is a, a very specific instance where you know the mom is not there or, you know, or the nest has fallen and it is night, go ahead, warm, dark and quiet, or just wait till the next morning. But with the babies, they do need to stay warm. So if the mom's not there, right, then I would probably, in. yeah, but I wouldn't like try to take them out of their nest. I would just take the whole nest with them in it because these guys are, like I said, they can be as small as your pinky nail. So it can be very difficult to handle them without yeah. further injuring them. Yeah. So but the, if you're putting them in a little shoe box, do you have to do anything special to that box? Like poke holes in it or anything like that? Poke holes in it. I mean, most shoe boxes now have little like venti things on the side and yeah. it's not going to be airtight. Um, and then also you can um, kind of make a donut out of, um, you know, like a towel or a washcloth that that so that um, nest can sit securely in there so they're not rolling around or anything. So, you know, just put something soft, you know, paper towel or whatever. Um, you know, if you want to wear gloves while you do that, that's totally fine because the, um, 
hummingbird nests tend to be fairly full of feces. <laughs> but, you know, as long as you wash your hands afterwards, you know, if you if you don't have any gloves, you're not going to, you know, you'll be fine. Just wash your hands after, before and after is a good, good idea. Sure. So, and I believe it's our last question, Kathleen. Um, why do you keep doing this? What is so rewarding to you that keeps you coming back for more? Because <laughs> it sounds yeah, well, a lot like it's exhausting and time consuming. It is. It's, you know, it's a high impact. <laughs> it's, it is kind of a high pressure situation in the summer and spring and summer to have all these babies coming in. But just in general, um, it feels great because there's nothing better than seeing an animal that, you know, what, something we talk about in orphan care is, and also just in Liberty in general, is when an animal comes through the hospital, this is their second chance, right? So something bad has already happened to it. And so it's our second chance to, you know, see if we can get this guy back out into the wild. And it is really amazing to see these little birds go from nothing to being released in the wild. And we do a release um, with our orphan care birds in the summer every other week. Like we have that many birds wow, that wow. every other week we are doing a massive release and the volunteers are all welcome to come and take birds and release them. And it's just the best feeling ever. And, um, you know, so for example, we had um, our very last bird of the season last year was a little tiny canyon towhee that a gentleman had found just after it hatched and the mom and the other uh, babes had not made it and he drove all the way from bisbee arizona up oh, to, wow. to drop off this just hatched baby and it was already september when this this little guy showed up and um and you know just no feathers on him and we raised him and got him all the way and he was released in i want to say like late october it was really late in the season but it was so cool to see this very specific bird that we really don't have that many mm -hmm. here in the valley come from that little to full grown out living his best life like just you know right. and that happens all summer and so especially since there's so much in the world that you can't control you know you hear all these bad things happening in other parts of the world with wildlife and the environment and everything and um just working here, it's kind of that whole thing of like, think global, act local, where I can make a difference here. You know, I can't control what's going on in other parts of the world, but here I can yeah, help this animal get back out into the wild. And so that's what really makes me feel better. Also, you know, we have over 300 volunteers at Liberty. You know, like I said, we'll have 80 to 100 orphan care volunteers and there's a lot of overlap with other departments and it's also very gratifying to see that many people who are willing to spend their free time you know helping these animals as well and so that really makes you feel a lot better too about the state of the world so that's why I keep coming back because it is really rewarding it really does just you know it really does take a village to raise a kid and it's really neat to see that people are willing to donate their time to help with that. So That's yeah, awesome. great. Well, you've motivated me. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we're always looking for volunteers. <laughs> All right. We're definitely going to put the information up in our show notes for people if they want awesome. to volunteer and your um, address, the hotline number, all that stuff's going to go in our show notes. And I do have one last question. There was sure. a specific question that we had asked to us, ants, ants and hummingbirds. Do hummingbirds oh, yeah. eat ants? 
Should I give them ants if I have them and I'm trying to save their little life? (laughs) Oh, uh, like feeding. No, let's not. No, don't worry. No ants to the hummingbirds. I I wouldn't. I mean, the moms will um, feed uh, like soft bodied insects. Yeah, soft body insects to the the babies in rehab. We just use a specialized nectar, so we don't have to deal with that. And when we have given insects to uh, hummingbirds, it's tend to be fruit flies. But fruit flies. in general, they are so difficult to feed without injuring them that I would just not you know not. Just not feed them. You know, like if you have an injured hummingbird, bring it to Liberty. If it's yeah. at night it's going to be fine till morning and then bring it to Liberty because like we have the specific tools and the specific training to ensure that, you know, we're not going to do anything like, um, you know, that could potentially injure the animal. So I just, you know, I wouldn't worry about it. Like put up your hummingbird feeder, watch them go. It's awesome. They are going to go after those small bodied insects in your yard. Um, you know, also if you have native flowering plants, that's an excellent, excellent thing to put up for hummingbirds. So, you know, putting up those native species of flowering plants are going to attract them and probably small bugs they'd like to eat too. So, you know, that's what I would do is just set your, your yard up for primo, uh, hummingbird environment is what I would do. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything that you would like to tell our listeners that we haven't covered yet? Um, no, I think we've actually covered it all. So thank you so much for having me today. It's been really fun. Well, yes, thank, thank you, you very for much. Taking the time. And once again, we were speaking with Kathleen Scott of Liberty Wildlife today. So thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.